0: Moncrief on News Talk. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Time once again to look at some stories from other parts of the planet. Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again. Afternoon, Jonathan.
1: Sean, how are you getting on?
0: Uh, not too bad. We'll start with Belarus. On the face of it, I suppose uh, it might sound like a, just a whimsical, not very important story, but yeah. I, I think it tells us something about uh, Belarus itself.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a good point, to be honest with you. Yeah, they've been disqualified from the Eurovision, um, which is due to take place in May. I don't know if they're doing it uh, in person or online or how they're doing it. Uh, But anyway, Belarus won't be there. Um, They were told two weeks ago to resubmit or to submit a new song, okay, Um, because there were concerns raised over the political context uh, or subtext or whatever way you want to put it, of the song that had been entered originally, right? So the band name is Galassi Zemesta, okay, who I'm sure you're a massive fan of. I've been to see them at least seven times. Oh, yeah. And uh, they are kind of known for, lately anyway, mocking anti-government protests, right? And the song that they entered originally was called I Will Teach You, right? And, And one of the lines, one of the lyrics was... Uh, I will teach you to toe the line, which is obviously in, in Belarusian a little bit more catchy than than it is in English. But I think the the undertone of it is quite clear, uh, really, from that. And so there was concerns raised about that first song. The European Broadcasting Union, who organized Eurovision, asked the same band to go back and, and submit another song. And they did. But they said... The, the the European Broadcasting Union said, no, look, we, we've carefully scrutinized this new entry and uh, we don't like it. We basically think that um, the new submission was also in breach of the rules of the competition and uh, they just weren't going to have it. So now they've said to Belarus, look, you've had two chances, so we're not going to let you in at all
0: right yeah it's it's an interesting one though in i suppose in the sense that it's almost like uh, um, belarus is trying to project this image to the to the outside world that yeah there were these protests here but nobody here really takes them seriously it's you know that's what yeah absolutely
1: about. It, yeah totally but it, it it's interesting because even lukashenko got involved in this dispute and he's basically saying oh there you go you know the the rest of the world doesn't know what they're talking about um so yeah, they're not going to be there and uh, and and it's it's very political uh, as as you, as you can see.
0: Right, yeah. And has uh, Belarus have they ever done well in the Eurovision? I, I, I don't. Have they ever won? it, well, I, I, I,
1: how could you forget Dmitry Kalden, uh, oh, who course. came sixth with "Work Your Magic" in two thousand and seven? Sean, indeed. Uh, yeah, you know they they do okay, better yeah. than us in recent
0: years. <laughs> That's true. It shouldn't be schneid. Uh, right, uh, we're, we're, we're going to go down the road uh, now to Russia, and uh, a woman there is on hunger strike. Uh, why? Yes,
1: specifically, this is the exclave of Kaliningrad, okay? So you, 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 I'm sure you know it. It's, it's a little section of Russia that's actually miles away from Russia, but it's wedged between Poland and Lithuania, and it's right on the Baltic Sea. It's about, I think it's probably about half a million, maybe a little bit more people that live there. And it's a big city, as you can imagine, because it's right on the Baltic, right? So it's a, it's a very important place. And the reason I'm giving you the context of the the area is because the woman in this story, a woman by the name of Antonina Zimina, uh, herself and her husband were arrested in July of 2018 and then sentenced to 12 and 13 years in prison in December of 2020 for spying, okay, On behalf of latvia okay which is just up the road or Mm. into the baltic around the corner up the coast of lithuania and you're into latvia right and the the story behind this is quite staggering to be honest with you because there was they got married a couple of years ago and at that wedding there was a counterintelligence officer right and he was in the background of some photos and videos And those photos managed to make their way onto social media and subsequently made their way into Latvia and ended up on a TV show. Right. So the authorities in Kaliningrad said to this couple, right, we think you've been spying for the Latvians. We're going to arrest you. They went, they put them on trial behind those doors and they have sentenced them to 12 and 13 years in prison. Unreal story, really, if you think about it, Um, unless they are you know, uh, absolutely uh, amazing spies to be able to to befriend this guy, bring them to the wedding and and, uh, send send photos into Latvia. Anyway, she's gone on hunger strike because she says that since she's gone to prison, she has been mistreated, all right? She says she's been beaten up. And when she went to make complaints to the Federal Penitentiary Service, uh, she was put into solitary confinement, right? So she's now gone on hunger strike because of that. So it's an extraordinary story, um, and uh, it it remains to be seen how it's going to pan out. Now, when I came across it, she was four days on hunger strike, so I think that would probably make it about seven or eight now at this stage. Um, Her husband, as I said, uh, he was also found guilty of of spying for Latvia. I don't think he's joined her on this particular strike as of yet, um, but you never know. It might be something that the, the two of them will get involved, albeit... They are in separate prisons, uh, quite a bit away from each other.
0: Well, are they in prison in Russia proper, or are in Kaliningrad?
1: No, it's in Kalina, it's in Kaliningrad. Uh, they're in prison, and uh, that's where the hunger strike is is taking place. Yeah. Wow.
0: Right, uh, Brazil. We're going to go to next, and uh, shockingly, uh, Jair Bolsonaro has said something that isn't true.
1: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> he's had a very bad week, um, which which uh, is terrible uh, for him. He has, as you know, has been president of Brazil since about 2019, right? And he's been controversial from day one, uh, to be honest. Um, He has been ordered by a Brazilian court to pay compensation to a journalist after he made degrading comments about her, right? So this is a very well-known journalist, uh, Patricia Campos Melo. She writes for the Folha de São Paulo, which is one of the biggest newspapers, daily newspapers in Brazil, right? And she she was the, the person who exposed this story Before the election of Bolsonaro, actually, that WhatsApp WhatsApp groups were being manipulated, and were being sent messages. Interesting, you were talking to the the guy who he had before, but there was there was kind of it wasn't Facebook in this case, but WhatsApp, which apparently is far more open in Brazil than it Mm -hmm. would be here in Ireland. Okay, so anyway, she she um, broke this story. And he has despised her ever since, right? And he's basically suggest- he suggested last year that she offered someone sex for, a neg- for negative information about him, right? Now, this comes off the back of a similar thing that his son, Eduardo, who is an MP, had done as well. She- he had basically said the same thing. You know, she traded sex for-, for negative stories. And both of them have been fined now in order to pay the journalist about 3,000 3, euros, right? So it's not much... But it's the, it's the humiliation of it, I suppose, from bolsonaro's point of view that he won't like. Um, and it, it really it comes off the back of you know atrocious figures uh, in the fight uh, of COVID-19 It's a, it's you a, real, know.
0: It's a bloodbath there don't yeah,
1: it's terrible. and, and his problem for, for, from his point of view is that governors and mayors are locking the, the states down and their cities down and he's telling them not to. so they're going against them and to cop and to top it all off, it looks like Lula, uh, his convictions are being gradually overturned and he will be free to run in elections in 2022. So really interesting times there, If, albeit extremely sad, with, with you know nearly 300,000 people dead uh, from COVID-19. It's, it's shocking, really.
0: And uh, Haiti we're going to go to next, uh, apparently an island that the Belize football team won't be visiting again soon.
1: I don't think they will be. Uh, Shocking footage that came out of Haiti, of the Belize football team last week. They were on their way to the hotel uh, prior to the World Cup qualifying football match uh, against Haiti. And they were held up by a gang, right? They had a four-police escort. And the footage basically shows about, I would say, the guts of about 50 or 60 men on motorcycles coming down a dirt track holding guns. And holding up the bus, and understandably, the the football team were were absolutely um, uh, frightened out of their wits, as you can imagine. Um, eventually, the police, and I don't know how they did it, they managed to negotiate their way out of it, and the football team were free to go. Uh, FIFA sent a representative to see was it safe for the game to go ahead. They judged that it was, which I'm sure the Belize Football Federation weren't particularly happy about. Uh, particularly after they lost the game two nil, um, but th- they might have been wise to do so, to be honest with you, because it meant that they got out with their with their lives.
0: Man, that's that's interesting. Uh, the, the armed gang—did they know who they were, or was there any indication of that one way or the other? I
1: don't really know, to be honest with you. Judging by the footage, it kind of seems that they didn't. And mm. the, 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 there, there's one source that basically suggests the bus took a wrong turn and found itself in one of the poorer uh, areas of, um, of Haiti, which is saying something given that 59% yeah. of the population live under $2, uh, you know, earn less than $2 a day. I was looking up the unemployment rate there actually earlier on and the official figure is something like 13.9. Uh, I think they might be, uh, need to look at those figures again. Um, yeah. it, but, uh, you know, an extraordinary place,
0: uh, and probably one of the, the most unfortunate uh, parts of the world in oh, terms of natural disasters and and, and 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 various yeah. political things as well. Right, Ivory Coast. Uh, we're going to go to uh, next where uh, some uh, trafficking victims uh, have they been rescued, Jonathan?
1: They have. It's it's kind of a good story in within a very sad context, right? So there is there are millions they think, right, people who who, who monitor this kind of thing and NGOs of child trafficked uh, and human trafficked people uh, working in the Ivory Coast, right, they work on cocoa plantations, they work in gold mines um, and various different farms, right, and it appears that twice in February police intercepted two busloads of 19 people, right, so 38 people in total All of them seem to have been from Burkina Faso and the majority of them were minors. So I think between the age of 10 and 17 were the ages. Most of them were boys and they were on their way uh, to work, as I said, uh, in a gold mine in a place called Aboiso. And they were intercepted. Uh, They were rescued. And now they're going to be sent back to their countries. So it's a very straightforward story in many ways, Sean. And these kids have been rescued. They're going to be sent home. It's a good story, but the context around it is that there are, many more who could do it the same.
0: Yes. I, I, you know, is it clear were these kids forcibly removed from their homes uh, to be sent off to work or did they volunteer to do it?
1: Uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we've, we've covered stories like this in Sierra Leone where um, kids get sent off to schools, right. For education in virtual yeah. commas and they end up working in factories. Uh that's part of the problem, Sean, to be honest with you. I know we don't have too much time, but that is part of the problem in that, in some contexts, they, parents don't know uh, where the kids are being sent. And once they're outside of that sphere, nothing can be controlled.
0: Yeah. Uh, and they you wouldn't know what I mean? So yeah. it's
1: very hard to know. And also, the Ivory Coast and the authorities that deal with it in the Ivory Coast um, often aren't particularly sure. What the difference is without I don't want to come across as being sort of patronizing, but that is the fact of the matter, really. It's Mm -hmm. a fine line in how it's defined.
0: And they would would have been coming from desperately poor poor parts of the world and, you know, wouldn't have had a choice.
1: And, you know, the child labor laws probably wouldn't be the best or the most robust in, in, in there either. So there's there's various different strands to the story, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, uh, and uh, Eddie Galway says, Oh dear God, I hope that doesn't mean we're back in the Eurovision. Is there any, uh, it's the in Belarus is out. Uh, is there any word on who they might replace them with?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's the qualifiers and all that kind of thing. All right. right, so, okay. I, so cool. we'll, we'll, we'll still be in it. Don't ah, worry.
0: Great, plenty, plenty of time to fail. Uh, Jonathan, yeah, thanks a so million. So so. uh, as ever, Jonathan de Burkabalta there. We have to take a break back in a couple of minutes.
1: Moncrief on News Talk.